0: Hey everybody! Welcome to We've Got the Beat podcast, devoted to teen entertainment of the '80s and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side.
1: From the beyond.
0: That's, that's
1: the beyond part.
0: The uh, this episode we're celebrating the 35th anniversary of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. To our shock, that we have not covered this before. And uh, I thought maybe we should pick another Matthew Broderick movie around that time when he was a teenager. Then I said, "No, wait, hold on." What the perfect fit is the absolute flip side of the coin of Ferris Bueller, and that's Election.
1: Yes, makes sense.
0: The uh, I almost guarantee you Alexander Payne enticed him with that. He's like, "You ever want to know what it's like to be Mr. Rooney? <laughs> you know, be on his side. <laughs> you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be a dumped on loser just like Rooney."
1: It makes perfect sense.
0: <sighs> by the way, people, I'm boozing, would, it up, boozing it up, boozing so, up. I would be so,
1: I would be so drawn by that uh, pitch.
0: Yeah, the uh, the band Rooney. Did they did they take the name from that character?
1: Um, cannot confirm nor deny.
0: Okay, always I don't wondered. know. Um, so we saw this in theaters. Everybody jealous. <laughs> We did? Yes, we did. We got free tickets from the newspaper. It went saw it.
1: I was six. Yeah. I don't think I remember.
0: I think it was our Fourth of July. Going, like the company would throw something every big holiday. So they would uh, let us see movies on, I believe, New Year's Day, Fourth uh, of July, and I always remember there was one like in the middle there, like Labor Day or something like that, because so we saw Uncle Buck. We saw Credit Kid 2, and we saw this, I know, for free. I don't know what else. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Baby Boom was one of them. Um, but this hit me as a, as a teenager, uh, just like a lead brick. I mean, it was just everything that I was looking for in a movie when I didn't even know what I was looking for at the time. Because I was, I was nine at the time this came out, and it just blew me away.
1: So pre-teen you was like... I want a rebel with a
0: heart of gold. <laughs> Does he really have a heart of gold? <laughs> There's some stuff I, I question. I mean, a, lo-
1: a lovable rebel who is a little bit cocky. Yeah, he's
0: a little rascal. Now, you see a lot of what led up to this in his previous films, War Games and uh, Lady Hawk. He's kind of a rascal. He's a fast talker, uh, very charming, and something must have screamed out to... Uh, um, John Hughes when he was casting this that he was the perfect guy for it and I really can't think of many other people that could have done this except possibly um, his stand in during his years doing Biloxi Blues and Brighton Beach Memoirs and that was John Cryer
1: yeah no that makes sense you know who else is kind of like has similar charm to me is Jonathan what's his last name wasn't he
0: the guy in, like... Oh, you mean Jonathan Silverman, who was in Biloxi yeah. blues, Or in uh, Brighton Beach, Mess Mar- You know what? I said, it could, it could, I we're saying, I literally just said, it couldn't be anybody but Matthew Broderick, but know. I just come up with, like, three other people. There's also Corey Parker, who was in... Okay,
1: that's enough nonsense.
0: That's said. No, he was in uh, in the, those same plays, and he ended up being in Biloxi yeah. Blues with Matthew Broderick and How I Got Into College, and they're all kind of the same personalities. Neil Simon-esque.
1: Yeah, I don't know that a lot of people really relate to the Neil Simon reference. Are there a lot of theater people out there? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, a I guess a, de- a decent amount of his, movies, uh, his plays got made into movies. Yeah. Well, but.
0: I am planning on doing a double feature of Brighton Beach Memoirs and Biloxi Blues if you're interested. Because they're okay. sequels just with different leads. Because when they did Brighton Beach is when he was doing Ferris Bueller.
1: I see. I admit... I probably have seen them both, but I don't remember them at all, so it might be nice to revisit something that I have very little memory of, as opposed to the like Ferris Bueller I've seen, you know, 75-ish times as my guess. Yeah.
0: This is one of the very first uh, VHS tapes I bought, and it wasn't from, like, I, I, I myself bought. Not the way, like, you know, our yeah. parents would say, hey, pick a movie out of this BMG, or whatever. No, it wasn't BMG. It was Columbia House. Um, yeah. Yeah that I went to Kmart, and I believe it was like 1988 or 89, and I found a copy for the low, low price of 1995, everybody. (laughs) Back then, that was a big deal. (laughs) And yes, we definitely wore this one out. Um, I think it's so funny is that originally I was going to pair this with a Ferris Bueller TV show. I watched it. Oh, dear Lord, is it awful.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't want to sit through that. I would want to sit through like, Parker Lewis can't right. lose, which so maybe funny. has a similar vibe, but yeah, and we'll, look,
0: we'll, wow. we're definitely gonna do uh, Ferris or uh, Parker Lewis can't lose. But do you remember they were trying to say that Parker Lewis was the ripoff and it wasn't gonna last, and that Ferris Bueller was gonna be the hit, and <laughs> it didn't even last mm. six months. If, uh, you know, uh, uh, Parker Lewis lasted three months because it, it just captured the magic from Ferris Bueller. You just without did you
1: say three months? Th-
0: no, three years. May I said three months? Okay,
1: that okay. I was like, I thought it was long on longer
0: than that. Yeah, and this was kind of movie that you really can't sequelize. But the only reason I ever would be as an adult, as a parent, and then he is now in like the authority figure way. You know, he's no longer being reckless and wild and fun. That he's now a fuddy duddy, and his son is, or daughter is the one that's skipping school. That's the only way you could ever do a sequel to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I don't. I hope they never make a, anything to this. Like, don't do a remake. Don't do nothing. This is one of, you know, I would say that this is one of the most perfect films. When we talk about like, you know, what's your ideal, like A plus plus movie? Don't change a thing. This is one that's pretty high up there for me too.
0: Right. And it's so funny is that he wrote this in a little over a week. But that's John Hughes, though. He was notorious for burning through scripts so fast.
1: Well, that's pretty freaking impressive, John Hughes. Yeah.
0: Well, I noticed that his best movies are either all one location, like uh, the high school setting for uh, Breakfast Club and... Um, yeah. Uh, or they're kind of road trip-esque kind of movies where you're constantly moving from one adventure to another. That's why this works. And planes, trains, and automobiles and stuff like that. Oh,
1: because it's like constant motion. Right,
0: Constantly. If you don't like this, you wait ten minutes and you have a whole new segment.
1: That makes sense.
0: And I just, he was one of the few people I think that could get away with, um, Matthew Broderick that is, with uh, playing a character who is breaking all the rules, but in the way that it's written, in the way that he portrays it, it seems like he's just a charming little rascal instead of like, this kid's a dick.
1: Do you think that that Ferris Bueller really was the beginning of that whole I mean I feel like that became a thing and it's still kind of a thing the like charming rascal type character in TV shows and movies?
0: I think um, that he
1: really started this trend
0: with younger audience or younger actors, yes. But I feel like Chevy Chase really had that down, yeah, that especially makes in sense. Fletcher. That makes sense. And, and you know, Eddie Murphy yeah. had some of that, like in Trading Places. But um, I do see, like, especially like uh, Van Wilder, I see, yeah, Ferris- exactly.
1: I was immediately thinking uh, Ryan Reynolds when I said that, like, some of, some of his other roles. Yeah, you know, the, the uh, pseudo... But I, even in, like, some TV shows, too, I you know, with, like, the younger male characters, sometimes they have very much, like, the the lovable...
0: Right. Well, also breaking the rascal. fourth wall. And not narration. Yeah. I mean, literally just looking right at the camera and telling you about it. That was a thing that, I mean, I, you just saw forever. I remember watching Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang and thinking, yeah, they took this from Ferris Bueller because... I think that's the first time Mm -hmm. they ever had the main character just look at the camera and just start describing everything as they're going along.
1: Yeah. I don't know if it's the first, but it's certainly the first that I know know of. But I haven't been on this earth that long. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, just another thing was, uh, I've heard over the years there's different theories, like, oh, Cameron just had a a mental breakdown, and Fearless ruler is just like his split personality the way it is with Fight Club. I don't buy that at all. Um, that oh. mis- that Mr. Rooney is actually the hero and Ferris Bueller is the villain. I don't see that either, but I do see that Mr. Rooney is just really obsessed with his job, and to the point where he's not really thinking logically, and he, he's kind of an asshole about it.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just I just see it at at face value. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look into conspiracies. Like, yeah, he's been something pushed him too far and he lost it and he's doing completely irrational things uh but do I think that he was that Cameron and Ferris were two sides of the same person
0: uh no because that also means that Abe Froman (laughs) sausage king of Chicago would be a third personality that popped up yeah now we're starting
1: to talk about
0: and Mr. Peterson so Cameron, if this Fresh. is true, Cameron had a complete meltdown. and He's all different sorts of characters. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um,
1: the,
0: so there's a lot of people in this. It's kind of like their debut, at least to mainstream audiences. They had acted before. Uh, but I think this is where they become... This is like their most well-known role. Mia Sarah, of course, was in Legend, but it wasn't a hit at the time. And uh, this was basically her only major thing for a really long time. Yes, she's in Time Cop. But i don't recall her really having much of a career
1: time cop time cop woo woo woo. <laughs> and i used to think that movie was just the
0: coolest well have you seen it lately how do you not know it's still the
1: coolest. Uh, uh no i haven't it could still be amazing
0: i still don't understand why he needed a machine to go so fast through that tube and then if he wanted to go back he just hits a thing on his belt well, how, how, stay, what?
1: Fo- stay focused, fool.
0: Come on. <laughs> this bothers me to no end. Um, Alan Ruck, of course, he he had a second career later uh, in the 90s with Spin City, discovering that he could be a really oh,
1: yeah.
0: charming uh, asshole, <laughs> sleazy asshole. He has,
1: He actually has had a pretty steady career in all reality. He yeah. still does a lot of stuff um, that he pops up all the time and... Most recently, I saw him on the movie Freaky, which I hope we'll talk about for a Halloween episode. Oh, right, but, yeah. But, you know, he's on Succession, One Day at a Time. You know, he still does lots of stuff. He has many, many... That doesn't really seem to be a huge, you know, gap in, in his work. Right, I so, think a lot of
0: people know him as Cameron Fry, but that's not the only thing they know him for because he changed oh, his no. look and his style so much over the years. He's a character actor. Yeah. Uh, sadly, Jennifer Gray. The nose job. We discussed this during the Dirty Dancing. I can't believe just taking off a little bit of the nose changed everything and no one recognized her therefore no one would cast her. And that blows my fucking mind.
1: Is that really what the that, what happened? That's
0: what she said. She said once I got the nose oh. job I got cast in uh, like She got cast in Wind with Matthew Modine and then nothing for a really long time.
1: That's too bad. I mean... I can't say for sure, like, oh, that's too bad she's a great actress. I don't really think she got the opportunity to show one way or the other yeah. how good of an actress she was. I mean, she definitely has roles in things, and things, lots of things still, but I don't really think people connect the dots, do they? No. She was on, like, a TV show for a couple years
0: Right. 99. What was that called? It? It's it's like you know or something like that, where she played herself and she discusses her nose job.
1: Oh yeah, maybe, yeah. That's that's she was playing herself. I kind of remember that. She was, you know, she did a lot of TV episodes. She's done a lot of voice work. Um. Grey's Anatomy. She's on the Connors.
0: Okay, so she's still like, working. She's, yeah, it's just she
1: it, is. I just don't think people really connect the dots like you said like she still works but they don't think oh she's that girl from
0: Derby. Right. And she's just really good at this. I mean, As much as you like watching Ferris Bueller's uh, story I think that her story as Jeannie is absolutely fucking hilarious. Oh
1: I just love her rage like I connect with that so much. uh,
0: There's a line in this movie that for the longest time I did not understand. And it's when she tells Mr. Rooney when she's trapped in the house and he's trying to get in. She goes, I have a shotgun and a raging case of herpes. I, honest uh, to God, I thought herpes was a name for ammo. Uh, she says shotgun and I thought a herpes was like some sort of bullet. I didn't know for years.
1: Right. No, no. Well, nine-year-old you doesn't luckily didn't know what that was yet. <laughs>
0: Thank God. <laughs> um... Other actors in this that kind of made, like, a big, you know, their start here, uh, Edie McClure. I honestly don't know if I had seen her before this, Uh, but remember how all of a sudden, after seeing this, she was in everything.
1: I love that woman. I just love her so damn much.
0: Yeah, she was in, uh, she was the Next Door Neighbor in The Hogan's, or The Hogan Family, or Valerie's Family, or whatever, Valerie. It has so many different names, but she always no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> that was that was not from that show was it
0: from the other one the the robot yes. what's the other robot show what's that show called
1: short circuit thank Just you no, <laughs> circuit.
0: that's the robot my <laughs> small wonder small wonder small wonder
1: that's what I know her from and that's what that quote is from is okay. it not from the hogan band okay I thought
0: it was um and then uh ben Stein. I think most people for years only knew him from this. And that kind of led to him having that game show and doing all the eye drops Mm -hmm. commercials, that same character.
1: Yeah, he, basically, Ben Stein is, like, they're the same. Maybe he was just being himself in the movie. Maybe,
0: or that's just his, you know, the personality that he discovered, I don't know. Um, Okay, so other people that uh, started off in this, uh, Kirstie Swanson. I, the first time I had ever seen her, and uh, well, it, yeah, I don't less said about her the better. <laughs> it's gonna be really hard to get to Buffy the Vampire Slayer if we ever discuss it. Um, we'll just talk about uh, everybody else. Uh, we also have we have Max Perlich, who is one of those character actors you saw all the time around this. He also
1: I, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, so was say wasn't he TV like show. Whistler's
0: assistant or something like that, or was gonna be in that show? What? remember whistler was supposed to be was it called whistler it was supposed to be a spinoff from buffy with giles as the main character
1: i don't know if yeah. that was really a thing but oh, okay. he was in some some actually some stuff from from angel's past so he might have actually only been on angel i don't remember oh,
0: okay uh you're not gonna know the name offhand, him if you saw the face you'll know it. he's the one with the red hair buzz cut scott Coffey. he did a bunch of stuff at the time no
1: for... no i know who that is
0: okay no i didn't mean you i meant the audience um, is a director uh, now and once bugged me to give him money for <laughs> his film.
1: <laughs> did you do it? No,
0: no. Um, but I heard what was pretty... the film? I, I don't think it ever got made. But uh, he did... a uh,
1: Whatever. Yeah.
0: I think he did Map to the Stars. I mean, that's Cronenberger, but I know he did uh, some movie around the time that uh, 2013 or 2014 or whatever that got a lot of acclaim. Yeah. Um, but basically, this movie is just one adventure to the other, and it's just so much fun watching him go from convincing Cameron to go on this thing, to, you know, sneaking out his girlfriend from high school, and then riding into the city, and while they're having fun in the city, you know, wandering around, they have those two doofuses who, kid- or who steal the car, um, I yeah. still to this day, quote, professional what? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um, and then just like going from the baseball game where they catch and they're on TV. I love how they have those little things where the dad almost sees her or Mr. Rooney almost sees it and just constantly like just barely misses them. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Just, it's called Adult World. Scott Coffey directed a movie with uh, Emma, Emma Roberts, Evan... Uh, sorry, oh, Emma, sure. I can't talk. Emma Roberts, Evan Peters, and John Cusack. That's the only movie that he's ever done. Yeah, directed. yeah. But I heard that it was good. I know
1: her. Well, I like those three actors, but I don't know if it's good. I haven't seen it somehow.
0: Uh, But yeah,
1: I recognize him from a bunch of other stuff as an actor.
0: What do you think uh, your favorite mini-adventure of Ferris's is? Uh,
1: I don't know exactly about mini-adventure, but one of my favorite scenes uh, is in the art gallery where they just like, you know... They have, like, the little montage or whatever of them, like, in front of different pieces and then them, like, walking through the gallery. And then, oh, I think, don't they end up, like, following a little school group and then they're, like, ducks in a row with all these little kids? Yeah. uh, Admiring the art and stuff like that. Like, I just thought it was really fun the way it was filmed.
0: Yeah, I think... uh... it's, it's almost the polar opposite of the scene that John Hughes wrote for European Vacation remember when they go through the art gallery really 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 fast and it seems like John Hughes is like well let me just flip this and, and, and do something different with that same setting yeah, yeah. I
1: also like the um, obviously I really like the parade which is just so crazy outlandish and risky but a lot of fun
0: my favorite is the restaurant. I just. Uh, um, he was snooty, snooty, snotty. <laughs> and he does this, like, little pursing of his face. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just eat shit now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many things about this movie are just, like, really memorable, really quotable, really, like, ridiculous. Like, I mean, one of the. Most pointless but hilarious parts of the movie is like, you know, when Rooney loses and has to like drag his sad, beaten ass home. He has no option but to get on the school bus. Yeah. And then he's like all dejected and fucked up. And then he sits next to that weird ass girl and she's like offers him like gummy bears from her pocket and they're all warm. It's just so weird.
0: I love it when he <laughs> flicks it away and it hits that kid in the back of the neck, and the kid's just kind of like looking, like, "What the fuck was yeah. that?" Um, is that the first post-credit sequence ever? I do not recall Maybe. anything Maybe. going through credits before, but this, and that's the first time we just got like, "Oh, this movie's going to continue." Oh, it's it's going to get all that way, and he goes, "Go home. The movie's over. What are you doing?" <laughs> and how
1: many times has that been like the? And a few later movies has that been you know they pay tribute to that. So many like, so many times I've seen that done in a really like fun way.
0: Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, with Rooney getting beat up while he's trying to get into the house. I'm telling you, right there is the seeds for Home Alone. John Hughes wrote that as well. I can see him going. People wow. love that sequence. Let's turn this into a whole movie.
1: That makes so much sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about this that you don't already know. This is a bona fide classic. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, I think a lot of the theories about Ferris that we previously mentioned are usually, you know, it's like some film nerd snob who is trying to bring this movie down. Do you ever feel like a movie's popular someone has to shit on it? Like, it's their mission in life to go, you guys all love this movie? Fuck you, I'm doing this. I'm going to come with this theory where Cameron's insane. And then Mr. Rooney's actually I the hero. I think
1: I just... I think I just ignore that shit. I don't care for that.
0: The, uh, oh, I forgot, the Charlie Sheen cameo. Looking like he just got off a bender. <laughs> Heroin it or something. Says,
1: it, it says that, that to give him that that look, they made him stay awake for 48 hours before shooting the scene. Wow.
0: That must have given him a lot of caffeine. That's but I the just, method
1: I, acting, man. Yeah.
0: I love the fact that he basically just punches a hole in her whole waste of time. It's so like, you fucking got yeah. into all this because you're obsessed. Why do you give a shit? If you want to be like him, go be like him. Don't hate him for it. Or just let it go.
1: Yeah. That's kind of funny because there's this cartoon that I watch sometimes. And it's called Phineas and Ferb. Have you ever heard of that? I, I
0: remember the names, it's like,
1: yeah. It's like a Disney Channel thing. But the whole... like the liter- the Every single episode is the same. And the older sister spends all of her free time trying to catch them doing quote-unquote things she thinks that her parents would be upset about. So she spends her whole life obsessing about what they're doing and trying to get him caught.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's funny as Invader Zim. It's
1: like Ferris Bueller, the cartoon. Yeah.
0: If you take Invader Zim and you uh, uh, take Genie's character and strip her in two, you have... That sounds horrible. uh, Divide it in two, um, you have Dab... Is it Dab in, in... is it? Oh damn! I can't remember the names now. I've seen the show in so long. Who are the brother and sister? Dib and, oh,
1: fuck, Dib and, uh,
0: gas. Is G- it gas? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, they're not normal things to call people, so it's yeah. hard, it's easy to get it confused.
0: Um, but if yes, you take it the is obs-
1: similar to that too,
0: so Dib has the obsession that Genie has with catching her brother. But Gaz has that disconnected, like, just, like, I don't give a shit, rage kind of fucking, like, just shut up. It's, it's funny how you could break these characters down into so many other iterations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That wasn't a groundbreaking theory. I'm sorry. I let everybody down. I, I'm going to quit now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry,
1: I was just... Re- I- reading facts you know how I how I do that Yeah. Uh, to look for something that was like oh that's juicy but
0: well how many so times did we see
1: listening to you appropriately yeah. I'm sorry uh,
0: oh yeah was played in like a hundred movies after this I feel like every mm-hmm. time an 80s movie would have a sequence with a, oh, yeah. And it's like someone hot with like, oh, hey, look, it's canine. 9 the and Jerry Lee is after the female dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boom, pow, pow. <laughs> but the soundtrack in this is yeah. a lot of fun. It is really like, uh, you know how some soundtracks just, they're oh, these songs are available for cheap. We'll just add it to this. But this seems like John Hughes really yes. worked with the music uh, producer and picked stuff that really fit with the theme.
1: I mean, maybe I don't know. Some kind of just sounds like random sound effects that that's, he I just feel like got some lucky of it with, really But works. I don't
0: know. Well, I like the track that he picks to uh, have him running through the houses. Um, ver- yeah, that's, that's true. I'm telling you right there. There's a there's a parkour scene. Everybody talks about Point Break bullshit. It happened to Ferris Bueller first. <laughs> the no, that, uh,
1: that is a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, so that is it on Ferris Bueller. But our second film, I think, is something that I think film fans know about but everyday regular movie watchers don't know about it or never discuss and it's been kind of forgotten with time is election which in many ways is a superior film it's just it has all the darker <laughs> bitter <laughs> mean emotions that ferris bueller kind of skips over
1: right it does this is you know ferris bueller is is like it's just light and fun and kind of Escapism. you know yeah, reminds you to enjoy life. This is the very opposite side of that coin.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the thing in Ferris Bueller is like it's this big adventure. Whereas it literally feels like Alexander Payne just took everything and just turned it inside out. It's like, well, this is not going to be – this is very personal, very small, very focused on one thing. And it's this high school election, which sh- sh- should not mean anything to anybody. I never gave a flying fart about – any Mm -hmm. any of those elections in high school I could not tell you who ran for any of them or if I ever voted and this one is just this microcosm obsession of two people and the people in that circle that are affected by it or outside that circle that are affected by it and it's just war between Matthew Broderick who is really the opposite of Ferris Bueller he is his own worst enemy and he just continuously screws up screws up screws up
1: yeah he uh, creates his own destruction
0: and and Reese Witherspoon's character is very much like that as well because she is just so obsessed that she she should have just as bad luck as Matthew Broderick's character, but doesn't. somehow mm-hmm. she constantly skips out of that responsibility.
1: Yeah, they're equally obsessive and petty um, just fucking petty. And yes, absolutely. And I think it just I mean, it's kind of interesting to show like the the, you know the the teen version where the ramifications are different when you're not quite an adult yet and the other side of the coin when you take that too far and you can't let go of that stuff as an adult uh, the consequences are bad yeah.
0: I don't know the name of the actor I feel like he was on um, you know his best friend the one who gets fired for sleeping yeah. with Reese Witherspoon oh, what, sure, sure. what was the show he, that he he's in was so on
1: much I don't know. His name is Mark Har- Harlick. He is in a lot oh, of stuff. was he in Psych?
0: Is he the guy from Psych, or is that someone that just looks like No.
1: Him? No, 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 no. He's okay. not the guy from
0: Psych. Dang, I thought it was.
1: I don't know. He says he was on like Preacher, Snowfall, Grace, and Frankie. I don't know. I think he's just one of those character actors that you see around a lot, mm-hmm. but you can't quite pinpoint. Because I could, I mean, I see a ton of stuff that he says he was in, but... I don't quite remember him as a standout in any of these things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: What I do enjoy about this most of all is the way Alexander Payne has always cast people who look normal, not stars. Yes, Reese Witherspoon is basically an A-lister. Matthew Broderick's always bounced around with being a B or an A. And, but they always look normal. And then you have Chris They're Crum- Joe, He.
1: he yeah. yeah, he's Joe Normal.
0: Yeah, and then you have Chris Klein coming in and like this fucking superhero model who's also very sweet, <laughs> maybe not the sharpest tool in the <laughs> shed. So thank you God for this huge penis. <laughs> this is a fucking flash. He
1: was thing. like it said it was like his first movie. Is it? it that's what it says in the like information.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, and then he became a megastar right after this. And uh, I got to tell you, I never understood Hollywood's need to turn really bland white guys. I just don't understand. Into action heroes. He is just a meh. You know, once he got out of the teen movies, he was fucked.
1: I mean, hes I thought that he was really good in this movie. And maybe that was just luck.
0: Yeah, maybe but it's also basically all choices. he ever plays.
1: But mostly he's just bland and often douchey.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like he was funny and just friends. Am I wrong that he was kind of a dickhead in that movie?
1: Uh, He was kind of funny and kind of a dickhead.
0: Yeah, yeah he's but, just one of those guys that for a moment everybody said, he's going to be a star, and then the rest of the world said, nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, we got enough
1: bland white dudes in everyday life, thanks. Um, no, I mean, he's okay. He's yeah. just he's just okay, you know?
0: Yeah. I really like the girl who plays his sister, and this is the one you were telling me about from Freaks and Geeks who died very young, and I didn't...
1: Very it, recently, yeah. Yeah, it is
0: such a shame. She is, is really, really good in this, and her arc is the yeah. best of all of them.
1: Yes, it's so much... I mean, everybody... Well, not everybody, but many of these characters are very nuanced. Uh...
0: But in her, she really is, too. Just
1: yeah. so... But she, there's so much going on.
0: Yeah, and in talking about characters where they're not seeing what's right in front of them, they're so locked into their vision of the world, they don't see reality, hers is the fact that she can't get over the fact that the girl that she was with was just seeing what it was like. I just wanted to see what it was like, experiment, I'm young. And she thinks it's yeah. true love, and then she can't deal with the fact that the other girl is now dating her brother, and maybe it was just experimentation. That's... Really heartbreaking for her character because she, that bubble of delusion is gone.
1: Yeah, and then her, um, I mean, I'm sure there's already like sibling sibling drama anyway, and then to add that part, and he, and like her brother's so oblivious because he's really not smart, and she's really is smart, and so it's just like her desire for. Not exactly revenge, but to get, you know, to beat him at something, because she, take something from him because he took something from her, even though he didn't know that.
0: But he ultimately is really, he's not that bright, but he really is the only purely sweet character in this. He doesn't do anything. In fact, the whole ending is, is caused by him being so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that is such a an ending where I mean, his, his okay. So Matthew Brown's life is falling apart. He's cheating on his wife, and then that fall- does Reese Witherspoon's character tell them? Is that how they find out, or does the other lady just break down and tell his wife?
1: Mm, I admit that I don't remember.
0: I feel like she was getting. I gotta remember their names. Tracy Flick, of course. Tracy Flick, Pick Flick. Um, I have this weird feeling they don't completely spell it out. But I feel like she's the one who told both of the women and, and destroyed it for him and set his life into chaos.
1: It is very probable, but I admit I don't know.
0: And then he just gets it up his ass. He has to stop her, and that just is just this chain reaction where he could have just let it go. He could have just let it go. And mm. he decides to cheat at the end, and that destroys his whole life. And I didn't realize That kid looks so fucking familiar, the one who helps count. Did you recognize him?
1: Uh, I don't remember that part
0: The kid at the very end There's two kids in the room And one isn't paying attention to what's going on He's kind of looking out the window at, at Tracy Flick And telling her that she won But there's the other kid uh-huh. with the short brown hair Who's like, no sir, this can't be right How did it change this much? I don't believe this Do you remember him?
1: Kind
0: of Okay, well that's the kid that starred and Fired Up Which we discussed a couple months ago Nicholas D'Agosto Oh, sure,
1: sure, sure yeah. Nicholas D'Agosto, yeah
0: I was just surprised seeing it. I was like, oh, that's where, it was 10 years earlier, wow. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I do kind of remember that now.
0: Yeah, I think this is a really good character study. Both movies really do a good job of focusing on the characters first, but the adventure is more uh, of a part of, Ferris Bueller than it is in this one. It's these little itty-bitty moments. The fact that everything falls apart because he drops some Chinese food on the floor and the custodian is fucking pissed. (laughs) That's all of it. It sounds like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, honestly.
1: One little action ruins it all.
0: And it's such a good idea.
1: I just remember just, like, the intensity of, like, her... I don't know. I mean,
0: oh yeah, she's so revved up, and it's so different. Isn't this like the most unique of her roles? I don't know if she ever did anything like this again. I
1: mean, she, you know, as an adult, she kind of she's played some fairly high-strung people. Uh, The most, um, the you know, some of her more recent roles, I would say, are, are closer to Tracy Flick's behavior. Um, which is kind of weird that, you know, what now, how many years ago was this? Is this 25?
0: 22.
1: So, you know, 22 years later, she's doing characters more like, more like Tracy Flick than she ever did when she was young. I think she did more like fun and carefree type stuff when she was younger, And now, although I I think it's probably fairly common that older women in Hollywood, if they want to keep working, they have to play the uptight moms and, you know, all that stuff. But it's she, you know, you know how it seems like Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Garner tends to do that, too. Like she did some really fun carefree stuff pretty early in her career. But like now as an adult, she just plays like like the most uptight fucking ladies you've ever met and it seems like that's kind of the route that Reese Witherspoon is, is going. Well or, it seems like where they I put most
0: of them it's annoying. It's like what they did with Kate Hudson right. and Sarah Jessica it's Parker It's the way it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but looking at this so is so that she almost I'm became not, Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was just going to say not to say that some of the most her most recent work isn't good. It's just I, I just wonder is that is this all the, all the options that are given to women over 40 if they want to continue to work?
0: Well I see she that's, does a lot of miniseries now. she's a producer on most of them and maybe that's just where she, she is, gets to play the unique yeah. stuff.
1: Well, she's been you know her production company is like pretty massive and she makes a lot of really smart choices in yeah. that realm.
0: Yeah. But,
1: and there are a lot of them are really good. I'm
0: just, yeah. I'm looking through some of just the stuff that curious. she did early in her career, which is very interesting. They're probably going to come up on this as like Man in the Moon, A Far Off Place, a Fear. Come on, Nicole Forever. Uh, Pleasantville. Mm-hmm. I really like the yeah. first decade of her career Cruel Intentions, Best Laid Plans. I could do without American Psycho. I know everybody worships it. But then she became a megastar no. with Legally Blonde. And then after that, it's so fucking boring.
1: Oh. Yeah, I mean, she did. That's what I'm saying. Like, she did a lot of like more light, carefree type stuff when she was younger, and then I mean, even Legally Blonde sort of has the light, carefreeness to it. But then after that, it did seem it does seem rather random and formulaic. Like, I don't dislike all of these movies. No, like, but you can see it on paper. I,
0: Will this sell? Whereas it seemed like before. Yeah. Before she became a star, is when she was doing. Is this a good role? Is this an interesting thing to do? Yeah. So yes. yeah, that's kind of the disappointing part. But this is really I God I can't. Imme- this is, might be her best role. I really love this
1: movie. Um, I would say that she's pro- it's probably one of her most interesting and challenging characters. I very, very much like Pleasantville and how, um, you know, her her growth over the course of that experience, like the character growth and development is really good in that. Um, <clears throat> but otherwise, again, I think she's very likable, but I don't really see that she does necessarily stuff that's very challenging.
0: Right. It's um, like, oh, what pays is the biggest pay? That's the problem when you, her, become a, when you become a star. Until you have...
1: some of her very more recent roles with, like, her miniseries. Yeah. The Big Little Lies and Little Fires Everywhere and stuff. Like, those are really good.
0: What I don't like is when actors start doing whatever will pay them the most. That's when I get, like, oh, fuck. Um, this is an MTV Films production, which I believe is now a dead studio. I'm not sure if they've done anything lately. But there was a time when they were, like, the hot studio. If you want a teen movie that's going to get a lot of buzz, you get a, you know, you go through MTV Films and right there, you have like two or three networks that are going to promote it like crazy and this was one of their smarter films uh, and it was really early on because I think before this it was Dead Man on Campus, Varsity Blues, 200 Cigarettes and then this and this is when people mm-hmm. started taking them legit and they had done some good stuff through the years like Stop Loss I remember but for the most part they remember for like Jackass things like that
1: didn't they I, excuse me, I just watched that one with the them when they tried or the perfect score wasn't that of oh MTV it was I yeah to. I didn't realize they, were, they did just, so many
0: movies that don't have anything to do with teenagers this is weird they did the longest yard uh coach well coach Carter's high school movie right
1: yeah
0: Hansel and Gretel witch hunters I, blades of glory why are these MTV productions oh. Eon well Eon Flux makes <gasps> sense because it was one of their productions
1: interesting yeah
0: there is some good yeah, stuff I, in here
1: I just assumed that it was all like teen stuff but uh Huh, that's weird. But it's not
0: happening anymore, right? Uh, Let's see if they have any more productions. I know there was another Jackass that was sort of, kind of in production. Let's see. Release date. Oh, there's Napoleon Dynamite, of course. Some of these movies we're going to end up discussing. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch that again. Oh, their first production was actually Joe's Apartment, not Dead Men on Campus. I love Joe's Apartment. Oh, right. I'm sorry, what's this now? They're doing an animated movie of the Spice Girls? What the fuck?
1: Okay, maybe we should stop while we're ahead. Yep, let's, let's we're just going to go bad thing. places now. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they haven't produced a movie uh, since 2015 with Project Almanac.
1: Hmm. Never saw it. That was a pretty good movie. Oh,
0: was it? That's cool.
1: Yeah, I think if I'm thinking of the right movie. Oh, someone even describes this on IMDb as a reversal of Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
0: Nice. Nowhere nearly as successful, and I can't believe I'm looking at the budget. The budget of these make no sense. There's no way that Ferris Bueller only cost $5 million. There's no way Election cost $25 million. I've seen the movies. There's no fucking way.
1: (laughs) You know, Alexander Payne has a tendency to make, like, small movies that have a lot of like acclaim and appreciation, but don't necessarily make a lot of money. Like they're not blockbusters by any means.
0: No, they're more thick. They pieces. Get, well, Sideways is get, the biggest.
1: Yeah, but I mean, they get they have a lot of respect. Citizen Ruth about Schmidt that got nominated for some stuff. Right, Sideways. Right. Um, The Descendants did too. It was a really good movie. I haven't seen his most recent ones. I haven't seen Nebraska or.
0: Oh, Nebraska's great. But, Downsizing's weird. Uh, I, I couldn't get into it. But yeah, this seems like uh, an, right when he was really launching, he did Citizen Ruth before this, which I haven't seen. But um, yeah. he was known for making very heady, um, smart movies about little things, little everyday things.
1: Yeah. I like movies like that.
0: Yeah. it's. Uh, I think one of my favorites is still Dancer Texas. That's just this little moment in life, and they just do such a good job with it.
1: It's super good, and maybe you should like repost that, because we, we haven't... It- we talked about we did that one a long time ago. Yeah,
0: that with can't hardly wait still one of my favorites. We're talking about doing a can't hardly wait sequel, but he was kidding, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> Damn it! I mean, because look, the cruelty. I'm just telling you right now. There's another graduation every year. <laughs> there's different characters. You can, and the times have changed since 1998. You can uh, switch it out for other uh, types of cliche teenagers. Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. Now. We should wrap wrap. Wrap wrap it up, I'll take it over to Video Night Podcast where we'll find all the episodes of this show. Would you like a little (laughs) wrap-up?
1: Marvelous.
0: Uh, I had something in mind for the next episode, but I actually want to watch it first to see if it sucks or not, because I haven't seen it since it came out, so we're not going to announce anything right now. But, uh, Mindy, thank you very much for this episode.
1: Plus, we have the right to change our minds.
0: Yes! We're devious little bastards. (laughs) That's
1: right!
0: All right, good night, everybody.